Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. It is... My favorite show of the week, Adam. It is the show where the grounds crew does the show prep for us. They sure do. And and oh boy, do we have a pile of interaction and questions and comments to get to today. Thank you so much, by the way. We do really try to vary who we're highlighting on their comments and questions. So just keep trying. If you haven't managed to get through yet, we just get a pile of questions every single week. If you've been trying every week for two years to get on. There's no way you haven't been on. We, it, no, if you haven't after two years, maybe write a better question. <laughs> Adam's at, like, at some, maybe at some look point, inward. It's on you, right? At some point, it's on you. You can get a hold of us by DMing us on Twitter at Walk Off Podcast or Instagram, the Walk Off Podcast. You can join our Discord, which is very easy to do. All you need to do is reach out to us. Lots of different ways to do that. DMing us on our socials is probably the easiest. We'll send you a link into the Discord. You go, we're pushing 300 members. That thing is happening 24-7 almost. And there's the game chat uh, segment there where... There's probably two dozen folks in there every game kind of just chatting and talking and uh, as they watch the game. So that's kind of a cool aspect to it. All you got to do is reach out. We send you that link. Away you go. We comb through the Discord pretty regularly too to get the comments and questions in there. Of course, if you are a member of the Patreon, well, you get that special Patreon bump and you just get guaranteed questions in the mailbag. As long as it's not, you know, as long as we don't have like there's been times where we've had to pare down Patreon questions just because if we're getting eight or nine Patreon questions, we do have to try and, you know, spread the love a little bit. But we do really appreciate the Patreon folks. Obviously, you get your MLB Mondays, the extra show every single week. You get preferential treatment when it comes to the mailbag. And as if that's not enough, <laughs> you get instant access to all of our interviews and shows before we get them up so there you go okay let's uh before we get into this i do wish to really quickly plug baseball town in toronto it is going to be a doozy of a long toss we are doing it live september 10th tickets are moving along nicely listen we're about 30 percent sold out at this point so there are still lots of tickets left and what we're going to do is we're going to give away a four pack of tickets today to whoever can answer this question. Adam and I came up with this question literally seconds before we hit record here, <laughs> as the Patreon is well aware of. We don't actually know the answer. We are going to figure out the answer. <laughs> Who is the Toronto Blue Jay that leads the organization in hit by a pitch? Gulp. All time. All time. All time. And this is this is in salute to Danny Jansen, who has been plunked eight different times this season and uh, missed time numerous times because of being hit. So a little uh, 
a little love for Danny. There is uh, a couple of names that come to mind that we're going to need to double check who had the highest. But uh, yeah, if you can answer the question, which Toronto Blue Jay has been hit by a pitch the most in organizational history? Tickets most likely should be yours. Okay, there we go. go. Just reach out to us. Nice and easy. You can do it on Twitter. You can do it on Instagram. You can reach out to us. Our DMs are open on many different platforms, so it should be good and easy for you. On that note, let's get into a Monday morning mailbag on a Tuesday afternoon. Okay, I just had a a question. Well, this wasn't part of our, our planned rundown here, Scott, but last mailbag, I did uh, used a food analogy. Yes, you about did. Teaching my daughter to cook and reading the instructions on the back of the mac and cheese. And uh, I was surprised that I got pushback on this. Um, but now I don't know if I'm blocked by this user or what, but the username is just at user NJ9RUFE2W. Very generic okay. username, choosing to stay anonymous with their pushback. But they say, completely disagree here, Adam. You can never become a good cook or chef if you only follow instructions. Every good cook wings it, knows when to replace one ingredient with another if they don't have it on hand, etc. To that, I would just like to say, she's 12. And you've eaten bad mac and cheese. Where you're I've, like, I've tried the, the bad mac and cheese. Where's yes. the butter? <laughs> Where's the butter? Give me the butter. Come on. If you're going to miss it, mayonnaise is not a good substitute for butter and mac and cheese. Everyone knows you skip milk. If you're going to skip an ingredient, you skip the milk. Skip the milk or butter. It replaces it with chef more butter. knowledge. Yes. No, go. I like that pushback. That's That makes sense. Uh, before we move on to just another quick tease on Baseball Town here, our guest list is literally insane, the folks that are coming by. Uh, as long as he's still with the team, hopefully he gets a call back up in September. And I mean, for his performance, he should. Jay Jackson is going to come down and be uh, a guest on the show. We got Johnny G of Gate 14. Of course, uh, Johnny and Avery and the boys from Gate 14 were just in Cincinnati. And uh, I'm excited to talk to Johnny. about Just like he's such a character, man. And he's like... He's so good on social media, Adam. It's it's why mm-hmm. that this oh, A14 yeah. has has become the top independent podcast. They had Toronto some. Blue Jays I, I don't. I don't know if it's still available, but they had a great uh, T-shirt merch for sale. It was uh, a U Sai Kikuchi. Yes, right? Sai Young. Yeah, and uh, I saw about a, I guess two or three weeks ago. Alec Manoa was wearing a Yusai Kikuchi t-shirt. I know. So cool. Right. So yeah. Great idea on that merch. That's awesome. Great play on words. Yeah. So excited to have Johnny G on the show. We got Julia Cruz too of MLB.com and she is regularly on Sportsnet uh, radio recently to the point where I'm like, is Julia on the radar here with Sportsnet? Because she's sure freaking well-spoken and a great baseball mind. But we're excited to have Julia down. We've got Blake Murphy with Sportsnet. He runs, of course, uh, Jay's Talk Plus. We've got Baseball Jen. Craig Ballard is co-hosting with me of Locked On Blue Jays. It is going to be a stacked show. Uh, tickets, again, are moving. But if you want four freebies, all you do, answer that question 
which Blue Jay has been hit by a pitch the most in Blue Jay history? Okay, now we're ready. Now we're in. Real mailbag. <laughs> First one. Here we go. Uh, from I can't Twitter. wait. Wait. Hold on. Prediction. We get a comment. Oh, my God. You guys, it's been 11 minutes of an intro or something like that. Calm down. It's only been eight minutes, and you know the the rules by now. We just got to weed out the casuals. Yes. Okay. Now that all the casuals are gone, this is a safe place. Okay. For the old listeners. All the new listeners, get the hell out of here. Get out of <laughs> here. Yeah. Come on yeah. back. Um, okay. From Twitter, Jackie the Snacky, delicious username, by the way. Mm-hmm. says, does that count as my food reference for the day? No, I don't think so. That's, <laughs> no, it doesn't. We can't count Jackie's. That. I still got to earn my own. Okay, we'll get there. None of these are pre-planned, by the way, because that would be cheating. So Jackie mm-hmm. the Snacky says, hey, guys, can't stop scoreboard watching. What happens if Seattle and Toronto finish tied for the last wild card spot? Yeah, Jackie, you are not alone. Uh, scoreboard watching seems to be a full-time sport for most Blue Jays fans this year at this point it is tight in that wild card race the blue jays one game back of the mariners uh they're or sorry are they half a game back i guess they are one game uh, back full, the mariners, full game the back mariners no. one full game back because the mariners won last night two games back of houston uh game and a half back of houston game and a half back of houston okay so it is going to be tight. The first tiebreaker is always going to go to the head-to-head record. So the Blue Jays have played all of the games against Seattle that they were going to play this year. They are 3-3. Three and three. So that means you need to go to the secondary record or the, the secondary tiebreaker, and that is bad news for the Blue Jays because the next tiebreaker is intradivisional record and we all are aware that the blue jays are ugly when it comes to their interdivisional record they are 11 and 23 where seattle is 22 and 11 so the tiebreaker goes to the mariners which means a tie with the mariners for the final wild card spot would lead to maybe the most heartbreaking finish since what 2021 only like I really hope we don't need to deal with that again that would be worst case scenario on the other side of things if they were to tie with Houston the Jays do hold the record breaker there as they uh, have beat Houston in the season series so it's going to be tight it's going to be close I know the Red Sox are only a couple games back of the Jays as well they're right in the thick of things the Tampa Bay Rays are in a free fall right now I know you look at where they're at and you think they're safe they are not I guarantee they are not especially with the fact that they've lost their superstar shortstop and their pitching staff is in complete shambles with the injuries that they're dealing with another thing to be cognizant of here is the Mariners are only three games back of the Rangers. Yeah. So the Texas Rangers are even somewhat in the mix for this wild card, depending on what Houston and Seattle does over the next five weeks, because that AL West is far from being decided. Unlike the AL East, where it looks like Baltimore completely running away with it. So uh, there you go. Ra- Rangers yeah. losers of five straight, by the way, Rangers are 
in rough right now. They are probably in the biggest uh, low point of their season for how they're playing. So it's going to be really, it's going to be a really freaking tight end, buddy. It's going to be a real rough finish. I think there's going to be some heartbroken uh, fan bases one way or another. It just better not be the Jays. Uh, don't look now, but the Boston Red Sox are back from the dead too. I know, man. They're four games out of a wild card spot, but anything can happen. I think Angels are done. I think Yankees are done. Yeah. Cleveland, 11 games back of a wild card spot, but they're only, uh, I think, four games back of the division, so they're not done. Hmm. We'll see how... uh, Lots of baseball left. It's so funny because people hate hearing it's early. Obviously, it's not early, but... There is a lot of baseball left to play in this season and a lot of uh, teams postseason chances up in the air. It's going to be fun as a ball fan. It just yeah, uh, it could is. be heartbreaking. I mean, this is where like, I think baseball does start to get fun. I don't think it's quite started yet, but like by September 1st, oh. where like literally every game matters, I know every game matters, but all of a sudden they really matter. You know, like we're starting to scoreboard watch. But it's the, oh, I'm so articulate this morning. Um, It's the extended playoff experience is like the lead up to the playoffs. It's the race mm-hmm. for the pennant. And, and we're in the thick of it now. So like we have what, 40-ish games left that are all going to be, like, if you're a baseball fan, must-see TV. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So I can I can understand you tune out in mid-June, early July, you know. Weather's getting nice. You want to go hit the lake. I got it. But, like, now is you're tuning in and you're watching nine straight innings of ball and even if it's, a, I mean, even last year, it was devastating end of the season. But like, I I got my money's worth as a fan. Like, mm-hmm. the lead up to the playoffs is, uh, it's a fun time. It's a good sport at the September on. So we're getting close. And this close. this is what baseball fans. This is all we ask for. Like honestly, this is all I ever want every single year is for games to matter in September. Meaningful games in September, buddy. You're speaking my language, engaged. man. I want to be excited about my team. And you know what? I know this Toronto Blue Jays team has been frustrating this year. But you know what? We're in it. We get to experience September baseball, and it's mm-hmm. very exciting. I know that there's some uh, imperfections on this team, but my goodness, I truly believe if this team can sneak, and that's a huge if, but if they can sneak into the playoffs... This team is built for the playoffs. This team is built around pitching. It's built around defense. Yep. Anything can happen. All right. Uh, Dan Roberts says, hey, guys, I know neither of you believed in the Orioles that they were for real this year. Uh, I think it was Scott that even said they would regress this season and that 2024 would be when we see this kind of success. Uh, do you guys believe in the Orioles now? Because they are better than the Jays in every category. Yes, Dan. <laughs> I believe in the Orioles now. Uh, I 
need to eat my words. I really didn't believe the Orioles would take the huge step forward that they did this season. In most part, because I didn't think that the youth on this Orioles would up withhold the pressures of 162. You really needed to see Adley Rushman take another step forward and take the team and put him on his back. You needed to see Gunnar Henderson really come into his own. You had to see guys like Cedric Mullins continue to produce. And then you had to hope that that some of these other dudes that they uh, used to fill out the roster around the peripheral, like, like Tyler O'Hearn, and they've all worked out. Every single thing has worked out for this Orioles team. Gunnar Henderson is going to be a freaking superstar. I said this yesterday on Patreon on the MLB Monday show. Everyone is saying you can't hate the Orioles. Look at them. They're such a likable team. Well, I don't have hate for them yet, but I'm going to I'm going to assure you, yes I can have hate for the Orioles. Yes I will, and down the road I'm going to see Gunnar Henderson's pay- face and it's going to remind me of how I used to feel about Bryce Harper's face. I just it's not going to be a face I like. I'm going to tell you right that right now Gunnar you're going to have to do without uh, any love for your face from this guy. Baltimore is incredible. What they have done this season There's no words. It probably shouldn't have gone down this way, but it is cool to see a team that has rebuilt and struggled as much as they have kind of hit that, uh, the high watermark where the fan base can be like, you know what? It was worth it because a rebuild is the worst thing in the world that a sports fan can go through. It's absolutely heartbreaking. It's devastating. It's tough to stick with the team. So, So good for the Orioles fans, but now, Prepare to be hated on. Uh, and I do wish to just quickly push back a little. Feel free to join in here, Adam. Well, I'm just going to push back a little on the uh, they're better than the Jays be- in every category. Before you get to that, I just want to jump yes. in and say the Orioles have been bad for so long. The fear is that now we have another Tampa Bay Rays deal with but i don't think they're the raise um Mm -hmm. ownership actually orioles owner i can't think of his name right now uh said yesterday i I think it was this quote so much what What a a bozo man so while the orioles fans should be so excited right now he just continues to he said something a, a week or two ago Again, that was also like, like, why are we throwing fucking cold water on the fan base right now? Yeah. But he comes out and says, look, don't expect us to keep this core together. Like, in order to do that, we would have to dramatically increase ticket prices and blah, blah, blah. Right. And like, I mean, uh, Blue Jays, who are a luxury tax team at this point, are already like, uh, well, we can't afford to pay Bo and Vladdy. Right. And the Orioles have five of them. So, like, yeah. of of course, they can't afford to pay five guys $300 million. But, like, just to even, like, say it right now, it just yeah, seems absurd why? to me. It's it's crazy. So, again, I think that this team is built differently uh, than the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, uh, other than this draft this summer where they drafted 17th, uh, the previous 
five seasons in a row were all top 10 draft picks. Uh, a few number one draft picks. The Rays, however, um, guess how many top 10 draft picks they've had since 2009? They had one. Two? They wow. had one. So, wow. You draft inside the top 10 for half a decade. You're going to find some uh, some good players there. Whereas the Rays just develop and have an absurd amount of luck. But, I mean, they're also able to, when they get a guy, flip them into something because they're not going to pay him. So maybe that's what the Orioles end up doing, right? Maybe Adley Rushman gets flipped and they get three prospects back. I don't know, but I'm not quite worried about the Orioles on a 10-year scale the way I am. With the Rays, who have had just sustained, which we should be Adam. success, we should. Eh, be. I'm not there yet. I I, I think they're going to be really good for f- like four years, five years. I mean, when I say we should be, that ownership should not be poo pooing the idea of Atlanta Bravesing this Orioles team. I I to just come out and say, mm. don't worry, all these stars you're getting attached to, they're all gone. What do you want us to raise ticket prices like that? Like, so do you think they should in just, the first do big you think, year? You think the Orioles owners should just come out and offer those like mid range hundred and fifty thousand or hundred and fifty million dollar deals to a guy like Adley Rushman and Gunnar Henderson? Yeah, yeah I, I do. I they probably won't take it at this point because baseball is showing these young kids that that might not be the way to go about business. But if you can get these guys locked up on a Wander Franco deal, then cross your fingers that the guy's not a piece of shit. Uh, I don't know, man. Okay, push back on the Orioles not being better than the Jays in every single one. Yes, I did just wish to really quickly mention that that is a little bit of a misnomer that the Orioles are better than the Jays in every category because they are not. Okay, so the Blue Jays trail the Orioles by eight and a half games. So the Orioles, they are a better team. Those are the hard facts. Those are the numbers. They're eight and a half games better than the Blue Jays. But... They have the same number of home runs this year, 145 each team. They have a higher OPS than the Orioles. They have a higher batting average. They have a better team ERA. They have more strikeouts. The Orioles, though, this is the big one, runners in scoring position. The Orioles are third in Major League Baseball, and the Jays are 20th. And really, like, the Jays are third in starter ERA. The Orioles are 15th. Bullpen ERA, the Jays are fourth. The Orioles are seven. So the bullpen that gets so highly touted in Baltimore, the Blue Jays have a better pen. When you look at defense, and we're just talking defensive runs saved, the Blue Jays are first, the Orioles are sixth. Home runs, they're both tied at 15. On base percentage, the Jays are seventh in the league, the Orioles are 17th. And again, it's that runners in scoring position. That's the difference. They're getting it's timely the difference. hits. It's getting timely hits. And I mean, it's it's been the big question mark of the season. It's the Rubik's Cube that is the Toronto Blue Jays 2023. 
we talked about this on long toss. Technically, runners in scoring position is supposed to, over a big enough sample size, even out, it's supposed to be somewhat of a luck number. And uh, there's no bubble to burst here. Jays fans already know that has not been the case. There's been no evening out. Although if you do look at things in the month of August, the Jays are substantially better in that category. Fingers crossed that it continues to improve. There you go. Uh, next one comes in from Patreon. Uh, Marcus G. Uh, short and sweet question for the mailbag this week. On a scale of 1 to 10, and he provides a definition of this scale, which is uh, pretty sweet. Uh, how much do you agree with this statement? The Jays' best baseball is still ahead of them. One is, no, I don't think your Wander Franco rookie card will regain its value. And 10, <laughs> I think Shohei Otani will be a solid free agent signing this winter. I love this scale. So, Bo's back. Mm -hmm. This lineup is, for the first time in over a month, got their regulars back in it. Kevin Kiermeyer slotting in again into the outfield. He's taking at bats. Of course, he's been one of the top nine hole hitters in all of baseball this season. Just right across the board numbers-wise, he's a mm -hmm. top three in the bottom nine. Danny Jansen is back, and that is so massive, especially with the slump that Alejandro Kirk has been in in the last couple of weeks at the plate. Kirky's done a great job behind the dish, calling the games and, and looking after the pitching staff. However, really tough to roll with one catcher for any kind of extended period of time. So, yes, Danny Jansen missed the last week of games, although he didn't go on to the IL. But thank goodness the Blue Jays had a couple off days. I think if they didn't have off days within that week, they probably would have had to buck up and, and put Danny on the 10-day IL. Uh, but Danny's back. That's huge news for the Blue Jays. We've seen Trevor Richards come back into the pen. Chad Green Looks about ready in Buffalo. He had a great is he, outing. Is a he back days after ago. the head injury? Yeah. So he's off the concussion protocol. Okay. He is back with Buffalo. Again, he had a outing. I think it was two days ago. It might've been yesterday. I just, uh, you know, things all blur together here, but he is ready for a return. And I think the only reason he wouldn't is just a roster crunch. I know that Caitlin McGrath on, on Friday was kind of mentioning that, he probably gets called up before September and there may be a designation down for Bowden Francis in the near future because uh, Chad Green would definitely add, we'd lose our bulk guy, but Chad Green would definitely add another big arm at the back end for high leverage situations. So all of that to say, guys, I'm a Blue Jays fan. I know my answer is going to be biased. I love this team. I've been incredibly disappointed in them all year long. Uh, I know that long toss probably got a little too negative for some folks. We got a lot of pushback on that. We got a lot of positive stuff too. It, it turned out to be more of an airing of grievances than anything on the season, even though they did just win two of three in Cincinnati. I guess all of this to say, I'm going to go eight. I think that the Blue Jays do substantially have their best baseball ahead of them. I mean, what's the worst case scenario if I'm wrong here? We're right back where we started and we're... <laughs> scoreboard watching and crossing our fingers they sneak in so yeah i'm gonna go with eight 
Uh, before I give you my number, I'm going to say Chad Green has made two appearances uh, coming back mm-hmm. from injury. So August 16th and August 20th, two days ago. Uh, two and a third innings across that, giving up two hits and getting four strikeouts with zero walks. So, yeah, I'd say he's dialed now, in and, the, and ready to go. I think the one thing that the organization is going to wait on before actually making the move to call him up is him pitching on back-to-back days. So we'll see if that happens shortly. I think that's going to be the next test for Chad Green. And if everything goes well and he feels good and his body feels good and his arms looking all right, then I think we can expect to see Chad Green in this bullpen within the next week. There you go. Um, My scale of 1 to 10... Yeah, I mean, I'd probably be high too. Probably, probably. I, I'm gonna say uh, you took eight. Eight. That was what I would go with. Seven feels <laughs> too low. Nine feels like too yeah, much po- like toxic being, positivity. Yeah. Um. Ah, uh, yeah. Eight and a half. There you go. Eight and a half. I eight love half. it. So I'm an eight. Adam's an eight and a half. Ground You'll get screw, drop your half. number. Grab some more coffee. You'll be at eight and a half by the end of the day, too. What's your number, everybody? Drop it in the comments section. One being your Wander Franco rookie card is not gaining its value back. Ten being Shohei Otani, a Blue Jay in 2024. Uh, where are you on the scale of one to ten that the Toronto Blue Jays have their best baseball ahead of them? Love to hear it. Okay, uh, thanks for that one, Marcus. Now, sticking with Patreon, uh, Evan messaged John Morosi of MLB.com, was on the J.D. Bunkus podcast on Sportsnet, uh, talking about Vladdy's looming contract. Uh, described him as, quote, an average player at first base in this league. And then went on to clarify he's actually below average um, on fan graphs, and this kind of shocked me. I knew he was having an off season, but on fan graphs, Vladdy ranks 20th among first basemen in wins above replacement. Uh, Evan says, I don't have a question for the mailbag. Just wanted to point this out. Not pretty. So, it's bad. Um, so I found this clip or the podcast, I guess I watched it. Uh, here's some more takeaways that I pulled out of this, Scott. Um, among qualified players in Major League Baseball, so 3.1 plate appearances per team game played, there are 140, let's just call them everyday players. Um, so among those 140 everyday players, uh, Vladdy is 121st and wins above replacement. Oh, man, that's disheartening. That's disheartening for sure. Um. Like he's got a zero point four F four, I mean that is um, for a guy that. Listen, I know everyone. I there's going to be people who hate hearing me say this because uh, there's a portion of the fan base who has already written Vladdy off as a huge bust, and we should bail on him, get rid of him. But I do still. We've seen what Vladdy can do. I don't. I don't think twenty twenty one just happens on fluke you don't 
you don't get lucky and hit 48 home runs. And I know that there's a lot of stuff on the peripheral and a lot of stats that you could argue that he was in minor league parks. It was a different season. He was uh, so on and so forth. There's lots and lots to talk about there. Even if you're going to take 10 bombs off of that 48 number, 38 is still not fluke. So do I think Vladdy has more in the tank than we're seeing out of him? Yeah. I, I don't know how you can't. Is this almost a yip season? Like, I hate using that word and knock on all the wood. But maybe Vladdy, like, this is where I'm at on Vladdy. Personally, I'm writing off his 2023. I'm crossing my fingers. I'm hoping that an off season, maybe he goes back to the Dominican Republic. He hangs out with some cousins. He's eating his grandma's food. He's working his butt off to get back not to too much of his grandma's was. food. Not too much of his grandma's. Well, grandma's new food where she's making sure he stays skinny, <laughs> you know, and, and maybe he just needs to hit the weights and hit the, hit the, the training facility to a level he hasn't done yet. Look at Bo Bichette, man. He comes back. He comes in every single year more ripped than the last year. Like this, this season, Boba Shett, you can see the muscles coming out of his freaking, his workout shirts, you know, like it's just, the guy is obviously in the best shape of his life and he has worked his butt off to become an average shortstop defensively. And I would just like to see, I'm not saying Vladdy isn't working hard, by the way. But is he working as hard as he did when he went into 2021? I would bet he's not. I don't know. I mean, Adam, let's face it. If if anyone knew what the actual problem was with, with Vladdy, it would already be fixed. It's, it's Manoa. It's the position player of Manoa. It's a laundry list. There are numerous problems going on here. And it might take an offseason for him to... To get to the at least to the point, because I do believe he's a, a an above average bat. He should be an above average bat, even if it's just getting back to where he was last year. Okay, so you you touched on he's got a F WAR, so wins above replacement as per Fangraphs calculations of zero point four. Uh, Brandon Belt has an F WAR of one point eight. He's the better first baseman. Looking at it that way. Um, I saw this coming. Like, I guess. As far as I always love to to check out the wins above replacement uh, scales, right? Like, what's a good wins above replacement? What's a bad wins above replacement? And uh, just to put things in context, generally speaking, over six. Wins above replacement, you're in like MVP conversations. Yeah. Um, when Vladdy had his runner-up MVP to Shohei Otani season, he had a war of six point three, so that checks out. Um, six war higher than he is right now, like almost a full six. <laughs> yeah, unreal. Um, five to six. War, you're a superstar. Four to five, you're an all-star. Uh, three to four, you're above average, really good. Two to three, solid starter. One to two, role player. That's your Kevin Biggio kind of guy, yeah. right? Uh, one to two, War, you're a bench guy. 
Talk me off of this ledge. Vladdy is a bench piece. I mean, he can't be. Well, no, but I mean, that's what we've gotten from him. We've gotten bench piece contribution from Vladdy this season. That's not okay. Yeah, it's not. I mean, Kevin Biggio is sitting at a zero F war, so, or maybe it's. I think it was 0.2 when I checked, but. Yeah. Either uh, way. Um, it's not good. Yeah. Not good. I mean, um, Kevin's is fine. That's not what I meant. Kevin is yeah, a yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Right, right. he's right where he should be. And he's yeah, done he it in fewer be. games than Vladdy. So that's yeah. uh, something to consider as well. Um, here's another thing. Manoa, you, you mentioned Manoa. Also, I think negative war this season. Negative mm-hmm. uh, 0.4. So last off season. We were looking at Vladdy's a stud. Bo just coming off of the September he had. Bo's a stud. Alec Manoa, Cy Young votes. He's a stud. Those three guys were like our core moving forward. Mm-hmm. And now going into this offseason, here's the equation. Manoa uncertainty plus Vlad uncertainty equals Bo leverage at the contract negotiations this offseason. He's really got us over a barrel here because I, for one, cannot imagine life with all three of these guys not being on the Blue Jays and good. Those feel like dark ages. I don't like it. I don't like it. No. And I, I mean, I think you're right too. I want Bo to take us to the cleaners. Go right? out there, get your, yeah. get your twelve years, four hundred million. Press, press Atkins and Shapiro. Put them in a corner. Give them no choice. I like, please sign Bo long term, please. It's, it's the only way this window stays open. Like, how, how comfortable would you be with them overpaying? though like again we can argue about what the numbers are that's for people smarter than us but let's just say it's 300 million over x amount of years if he comes back this offseason and goes i'm gonna you guys uh assign me to my three you bought out my arb years here's my ridiculous offer that i will sign today to avoid free agency. Otherwise I'm testing out free agency in two seasons. It's a ridiculous number. It's 400 million, like 25%, just 25% or I guess it'd be 33% increase over whatever's fair. If you want me to stay here for 10 years, you've got to really overpay me. How, how okay would you be if we really overpaid? Depending on what really overpay means. Like Like 25 to 30%. Like whatever numbers end up being the going rate. I'd sure feel better about 10 to 15% overpay. I don't Uh, think he'd do it for 10 to 15 though. So let's let's take a look at some of the comparables. 10 to 15 you can get out of a bidding war in free agency. So I think the biggest comparables in baseball right now are going to be Corey Seager, uh, Trey Turner, 
and Xander Bogarts. So Xander okay. Bogarts is making these, by the way, Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts are both 30 years old and Corey Seager is 28, I think 27, 28. He's the youngest of the three. I just mentioned all of them have contracts of 300 million or more. Xander Bogarts, I think is 10 years, 289 million. Corey so Seager's 29, say, by the way, he'll be 30 next 29. Season. Okay. Okay, so Corey Seager. So this is the thing. All these guys have these long-term 10-year to 12-year contracts, and they are all 29, 30. I think, I think Trey Turner turns 31 this year. Bo Bichette is 26 years old. If you're going to overpay for a player, I want to overpay for his 26 to age 30 years. Mm-hmm. So... Let's let's say on the open market, Bo Bichette is going to get three hundred to three hundred and twenty million dollars, ten to twelve years. So let's say the Blue Jays need to push three hundred and fifty million dollars for Bo to not go to free agency, skip free agency, and sign with Toronto long term. Maybe that. 350 is amortized over a longer period. So maybe Boba Shett is a Blue Jay for 12 years instead of 10, which takes him to the age of 38. Now, Bo's in great shape. We normally see where players start to digress, which is, let's say, age 34, 35. So oh, we're going to. That's how old need... George Springer is. I, I, I know. <laughs> I know. So if that's the case, the last four years were sort of eating. Now, depending on how you wish to massage that contract, maybe you're front-loading some of it, maybe you're back-loading. I don't know exactly how Rodgers would wish to go about it, but I think that if they're going to overpay, I am fine with Bo because of his age, because of uh, the, the the years where we're going to get his prime. And because there are some pieces in the minors coming up that have been... Surprising us lately. Aralvis Martinez looks like he could be a legitimate piece. I know folks were really down on him. They were down on him when he was 20 years old. He just turned 21. He's mashing in AAA. Has a couple dingers with the Bison since getting called up. Ricky Tiedemann is going to be making an appearance with this team next year. Almost without a doubt. 2024, we'll see Ricky Tiedemann make his MLB debut. And if we can prolong this this winning window i think i think overpaying for bow now is the way to go now i don't wish to see them handcuff themselves to a point where we're not even going to want to watch toronto blue jays baseball from from 2030 to 2035 but flags fly forever okay <laughs> let me let me let me just put it this way numbers aside there's two options here one option is they give Bo enough money where they still have enough left to realistically sign Vlad long-term as well. Or they give Bo so much money that Vlad's departure is a foregone conclusion at that point. And if that's the case, Adam, then you cross your fingers, you hope Vlad has a bounce-back year next season and you move him in the 2024-2025 offseason with a year Here left on his contract. 
because Vlad, despite this season, I think if he if he bounces back and has a 285, 30 home run season, 100 RBIs next year, that's not impossible. I mean, that's been pretty much his career numbers until this year. There's value there. And you know how teams' development systems work. They're going to look at Vlad. They're like, he's 25 years old. We can fix him. We can break him down and build him up again, you know? So there's a hubris to player development systems in every organization. And I think Vlad is going to hold value. I I don't know, man. It, this is a really tough question to answer, but I do think that Bo Bichette should be priority number one for this front office. I'm with you there. Uh, my final thoughts on this topic is Ross Atkins gets a lot of heat for this disappointing Blue Jays team. Right, we're talking hot yeah. seat, like put up or shut up kind of a position that he's in right now. But given that he's put together a 90-ish win roster as it currently stands, yeah, and has a runner-up MVP and a runner-up Cy Young winner who age-wise should be in their prime. Yeah. Fall flat that, on their that, face. That have a combined wins above replacement of zero this year. <sighs> How much of that is on Ross Atkins? Honestly, like well, this is something. This is this something is, that I. Brought I know up. I'm going to get blown up in the comments for being nope. a Ross Atkins apologist, but like, if this was the, was the Atlanta Braves, right? Because that's the always where people want to go with this. Hey, Kami, I'm looking at you. Um. If Ronald Acuna Jr. and Spencer Strider had a combined war of zero this season, where would the Atlanta Braves it's be? It's a different year for the Braves. Right? And, and you, that's a very you good can't point. fault a guy for assembling super talented players who then just fall flat on their face and underachieve. And Can this you? was this was something that I pointed out on long toss. I, I this was my point on long toss is that okay. there are a lot of things that you can be upset with Ross Atkins over. Okay. And my list of those things were the way he handled Alec Manoa. Um I really did not particularly think that that was handled properly. Of course, there's a lot of question marks around what actually happened. Alec Manoa is a bit of an enigma this season. Uh, we don't know the full story, but I don't particularly think it was handled like it should have been handled. Um, there are definitely, I mean, this team doesn't have a, a, a cleanup hitter. That's a problem. That is a major problem. Although part of this does stem from the fact that Vlad has fallen flat on his face. So if you look at where he was at, you're right, man. How do you, how, how do you blame this front office for not predicting that Alec Manoa falls flat on his face and Vlad becomes a below average first baseman after Vlad, despite having defense or uh, offensive problems compared to, to his 2021 season, he still was a very big member of this offense. And on top of that, his defense, he won a gold glove. He was one of the top defensive first basemen in the league. He is now one of the worst defensive first baseman in the league. If you look at his defensive run saved metrics and mm -hmm. his errors, and he's 
been a black hole at the plate. How do you predict that? Like, it's it's really hard to blame a general manager for not having a backup plan for his best players. Yeah. The core, if you will. Yeah. I don't know. Something to think about. I mean, the grounds crew probably, like, tell us. Feel free to put in the comment section here how Ross Atkins was supposed to know that. Again, I have many, many beefs with Ross Atkins, and I want to see him replaced as well as the entire coaching staff if this team doesn't make the playoffs. We still got to let this... This cake has a few more... (laughs) few more minutes in the oven though before that decision oven, can yeah. be we made we gotta let it cool we gotta put some icing on it um ronald acuna jr right now has a war of 6.2 spencer strider has a war <laughs> of 4.3 i'm just saying you add that to alec manoa and uh vladdy jr there which Shit, add, they're, add they're both that. capable of but all of a sudden, this is not a 90-win team. This is a 100-win team. Mm-hmm. Which is what know. a lot of... Even the detractors of this team, which is why the detractors are so loud right now, is because there was these expectations. They mm-hmm. did look like a 100-win team, or at least a 94-96-win to 96 win team where they are definitely battling for the division. And that's just not the case this season. All right. Uh, good question, Evan. Uh, let's yeah, move on to the next question, one then. Uh, Greg, sticking with Patreon, uh, says, am I reading too much into this uh, Alec Manoa situation? He was sent down to AAA 11 days ago. But as per this Ben Nicholson-Smith tweet, he's still in Toronto? It's been 12 days now since he last pitched. Panic or placate? Are we calming him down? This is a great name for a segment, by the way. Panic or placate? Um, Alec Manoa? What's going on here? You know what keeps going through my head? Is friend of the show, Matt Wild's take on this. And Matt actually... Matt Wild, by the way, with one of the all-time names. Oh, it's just such a great name. (laughs) Can you imagine being called Mr. Wild? Oh, what I would give. (laughs) <laughs> shout out to the Dougler. his name his uh his dad was mr wild and uh lived up to the name let me tell you that all right so sorry. matt matt reached out to the show because he's your buddy and yep. he works in sports science most mm-hmm. of the time right so he yep. he kind of has a good idea of what ball players go through what the body needs to do to recover all of that sort of good stuff the dietary the the workout side of things mm-hmm. and one thing that he mentioned was that in an average season, you'd like to see your pitcher's innings workload increased by about 15 to 20%. And if you actually go through Major League Baseball and look at a lot of these pitchers, you're going to see that that's how most organizations work. Now, in 2021, the Blue Jays had their backs against the wall. They wind up calling Alec Manoa, and I think that uh, it's safe to say prematurely. It worked out incredibly well. But they they needed a starter. And I think that's why he got the call up in that time. He took the ball and he ran with it. He pitched 110 innings. And everyone was so excited, right? And again, this is coming off of the COVID season 
where the minor leagues didn't even pitch. Alec Manoa was at the um, training complex or whatever. What was the thing mm. they were doing in Buffalo there? Or maybe it was New York, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. It's just like they had the taxi squad and the full thing going mm-hmm. and they were trying to like, you know, keep in shape and continue to progress and develop, but just amongst the organizations without mixing teams. So then he, he had 111 innings in 2021 2022 he literally breaks out he becomes a a Cy Young candidate he pitched 196 innings but he also pitched in that wild card game giving him another four innings so he pitched 200 innings 200.1 innings is what his final total was so he literally pitched almost a full hundred innings. I think it was 90 compared to the year before. And what Matt brought up was that there is no way to recover from this without being shut down and letting the body actually rebound. That's a huge inning increase. That's a lot of wear and tear on a 25-year-old body, a 25-year-old body that probably came into camp in not the greatest shape this is a dude who also shot his mouth off in the offseason putting down (laughs) Derek Cole there was a lot riding on this and I think that just Alec Manoa's body wasn't prepared and wasn't ready for it and so when I see that he hasn't pitched in 11 days when I see he hasn't joined Buffalo yet all I can think is there's two things that are going on here Number one is it's Alec Manoa. He's refused to go to Buffalo. There's some sort of uh, animosity between himself and the team. Maybe he doesn't feel that his being sent down was handled properly. Maybe he doesn't feel that his uh, rebuild to get back to where he was was handled properly. So that's one. The other option is is what Matt Wilde was saying, which is his body, it, it's not doing him any good to continue to pitch this season, and the best thing the Jays can do is shut him down for the year and let his body recoup, and he can go back to training come December or whenever it is pitchers normally start to, you know, and get in shape too, right? Don't pitch, let his body recover, and and hit the weights. I hope that's what it is, but I think the. I'm this story stresses me out. If I'm yeah. being honest. I mean, I'm trying to stay calm, but this has request a trade in the off season written all over it. And I don't like that. I was just going to say, if he requests a trade, my God, that screws the Jays. Cause so, not only are they not only if he requests a trade, not only does it forced the Blue Jays into this corner where they're selling at an absolute low, right? Alec Manoa's stock is as low as it's as as it's been since he was in AAA. Mm-hmm. But it also takes away all the leverage, you know. Like, yeah, you can sell low if there's a couple teams that are like, like I said, right? Player development. They can be a little bit, little bit high on themselves right. right they can they can think that they can fix somebody 
and maybe you can get some decent value back out of Alec Manoa. I mean, you should be able to, right? He's only one year removed from being third in Cy Young voting in the AL, and he he, he did look better over the last few starts. But man, if you take away that leverage, does it ever leave the Blue Jays in a tough spot? And then what? They don't trade him, and you just have this dis this disgruntled player. Like you can do that, right? You can. I want all my players fully gruntled. Um, yeah, give me gruntled. <laughs> <laughs> so Alec Manoa, since coming back from his minor league demotion, since coming back July seventeenth. It's been all right uh, relative to his first 13 starts of the year. It's been great, way improved. Uh, a 4.91 ERA, um, a whip of like 1.4. Um, like, again, like, not good numbers, but no, but substantially like, better. So the Detroit outing was good. One earned run over six innings. The next one against the Padres was bad. Four earned runs over three. The next one, though, uh, in Seattle, high-pressure uh, outing, right? Facing the the team he didn't perform well yeah. in the playoffs. Three earned runs over five and a third. Um, the next outing against the Angels, one earned run, four and a third innings. Like, he's been okay, but with Ryu's return, he's not her, he's not one of our top five options as a pitcher. No, so, but I could see where he would be like double bird on his way out the door. Like I deserve better than this. And mm-hmm. it's a tough situation to be in from like a Jay's management perspective because they are humans at the end of the day. And you do have to manage pride and long-term considerations. And like, you don't want to lose a guy like Alec Manoa because he's feeling totally disrespected, whether that's deservedly so or not is another point. But you also like definitely have to worry about winning right now. And you got to go yeah. with the guys that are giving you the best chance, right? And like Paul DeYoung, which by the way, kudos to Ross Atkins for having the Gonads. The gonads to make a trade for a guy and then cut ties with him and be like, we're going to just cut our losses. I mean, we didn't give up a whole bunch to get him, so it's easy to do, right? Um, but like, but still, if you're not contributing, you don't have a spot on this team. End of story. And yeah, it's just nice to see that like that's where the Jays are a little mm-hmm. bit. And it's a fine balance because, you, you know, you don't give up on Kevin Biggio. You give him way longer rope than he probably deserves. And then eventually he's leading baseball and on base percentage since the all-star break, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I think, I think the other thing too, is that hinge and Ryu really forced their hand, right? As they were going to let Ryu and Manoa battle it out for that final spot. And Ryu came in and just took it. I don't know. I, it's concerning that he hasn't started in triple a for me. I, I I'm, yeah, I'm on a scale of one to ten. I'm at like a nine of panic right now. On, right. Just on Alec Manoa and his unhappiness. Like it's the dream this... is the dream is, is honestly that this is more about his body and getting him right. But you're right, man. It is. Like, it is definitely concerning. 
Here's the tweet from Ben Nicholson Smith. This is August 19th, so three days ago, 2.50 p.m. Blue Jays plan for Alec Manoa to start at AAA, but still working through when that'll be. He's in Toronto for now, per manager John Schneider. Like, what? Yeah. He's missed two starts. Like, yeah. You know, every five days pitching, he should have pitched by now. I don't know. This is. I don't think it's good. good. I don't think it's good. good. Um, Now, like, I don't know. Just working out when will that be? What are they trying to find him like a good matchup in AAA to build his call? Like, what what are you fucking talking about? Mm -hmm. Fucking send him down. Go fucking pitch or be like, we're we're resting him and and just we're shutting him down. Yeah, we're shutting him down for the year. Right. Like, cool. But like plan to have him pitch in triple a we're just figuring out what what is he not answering your calls like what i don't know what's there to figure out yeah what's it's there to a, figure out, man. you're like, right you're the, the boss the more the more listen we don't know anything and that's that is one thing uh, to keep in mind it was the original motto of the show was the walk-off presents we don't know anything presents, we don't know anything yeah uh but as a fa- <laughs> as a fan base we're not privy to actually what's going on. And of course we have watched Ross Atkins give lip service constantly. We don't really know if John Schneider is just telling us fluff. Uh, We don't know. It is weird the way he worded it, you know, like it is weird that he's like, Oh, he's in Toronto, but he is going to pitch in triple a still. Maybe if we can figure it out. (laughs) What? (laughs) I don't know. It's, Again, it's a tough spot. Like, there's no, there's no formula to follow here. We're kind of in uncharted waters. You know, you can't just mm-hmm. add more butter and fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, this anyways, isn't mac and cheese. This isn't mac and cheese here, guys. You can't replace the milk <laughs> with butter. Okay, we did it. We got the food Nailed reference it. in. Oh, there you go. Food that reference done. Is that three? Analogy We're at three now. Here we go. All right. Uh, anyways, thanks for that one, Greg. Uh, panic or placate? I'm in full panic mode. Nine out of ten. Scott, what are you? Uh, I don't know. You've you've definitely moved me further from placate and closer to panic. Uh-oh. I don't want to give a number. Right. You don't have to give a number. <laughs> Seven. Seven. All right. Seven. <laughs> All right. All right. There you go. Okay. Uh, we're already over an hour here, but let's uh, let's get to uh, Discord and then get the heck out of here. So okay. Mustard Tiger in Discord says, dudes, I'm listening to Long Toss and I have so many opinions. Unfortunately... Long toss this week wasn't live, so people couldn't get their opinions in while we were yeah. Um That's just the matter of me being away at a slow pitch tournament. But Mustard Tiger says, we need to create a walk-off saber metric for player expectations. And I love this. We can call it bust plus, which has a nice <laughs> ring to it. Uh, we gauge our happiness as reality minus expectations. Like so he's even re- got a formula i love it formula so here's the formula reality minus expectations equals plus or minus 25 percent of expectations then player isn't a bust but if it's less than 25 percent then bus if it's greater than 25 percent then they're jose batista edwin encarnacion <laughs> yeah yeah what's, right what, what's missing i love it's so much thought went into this this is why the grounds crew gets all the credit here um so what the equation is missing is some kind of financial weight system so is vladdy a bust well he's not under contract 
He only costs $14 million, so he's just a major disappointment. And then goes on <laughs> to provide an example. Someone like Anthony Rendon with the Angels, that's a bust. Everyone a expected. Bust. Everyone expected after he left the Nationals. Sorry, everyone expected more after he left the Nationals. Then he got his big bag and hasn't stopped shitting his pants and getting injured. So, truth. There you go. Um, bust plus the walk off bust, bust plus. plus. There you go. Um, while we're talking, bust plus, bust plus. <laughs> Stats. You were talking uh, runners in scoring position earlier. We were talking about the Orioles. Uh, my question for you, because this came up in our YouTube comments, uh, where do you stand, Scott, personally, on RBIs? Right. We had a comment. We had a comment here. Um, RBIs are a crap stat. Always have been. You're assigning value to a hitter for doing something that they have no control over, namely members of the lineup getting on base in front of them. Which, that is There's true. There's truth to that. There's truth yeah. to that, for sure. So where do you stand on RBIs or a crap stat? I think RBIs, to the older generation of baseball fans, is an overvalued stat. You think, okay, uh, yeah. Now, I also strongly believe to the analytic nerds and the younger generation of baseball fans, it is an undervalued stat. Um, I I kind of view RBIs sort of like Bryce Harper's career. Whereas okay. he was so hyped when he first came into the league. And every TV um, highlight, you were just seeing Bryce Harper's face everywhere. Mm -hmm. And even though Bryce Harper was a great player when he was in his youth, he got a lot of hate. And he got a lot of hate because people hate when it's jammed down their throat. And then mm -hmm. as time went on, he went from being overhyped to underhyped. And now Bryce Harper probably doesn't get enough love for what he's doing. So I do feel similarly to RBIs and that RBIs where run production came from. It, it's a flawed stat that way. It doesn't necessarily mean that this guy is a run producer. However, I do think RBIs are incredibly important. I mean, it's about scoring runs in baseball and there are guys who just hit better when there's guys in scoring position. And yes, obviously those numbers are going to be affected if the dudes behind, uh, hitting in front of you aren't getting on base. I'm aware that that's how it works. So I'm not defending the, the problems with our RBIs, but I am defending the importance of driving in runs. And there are guys who do it better than others. There's, there's obviously clutch hitters. And, to dismiss RBIs, in my opinion, is is truly missing. You're eliminating a very important aspect of baseball. So, for example, a guy like Joe Carter, one of the best RBI guys in Blue Jays history. Mm -hmm. This is a dude who wasn't 
exceptional in a lot of other ways. You look at his numbers, he's not a Hall of Famer, right? He probably averaged around a 270 average, 25 to 30 bombs a year. But when it mattered, when guys were on base, look at his numbers, right? And and there's examples of this around baseball. So I, I think it is important to keep in mind if you are a part of an organization that RBIs shouldn't you can't put the blinders on and just look at RBIs and just pick the guys with the best RBIs. There's lots of other stats you should be looking at and kind of uh, as for all stats, there's not one perfect stat. My God, baseball nerds want it to happen, but it's just, there isn't one there's close. There's some that are a lot better than others. And let me tell you, weighted runs created plus definitely gives a better picture of what is happening on the field than RBIs does. But to just dismiss RBIs is completely a useless stat. I I fully disagree with. I don't know if I rode the fence any more than I. <laughs> no, that's could not good. Have come more down the middle there, but that's how I feel about RBIs. I think they're incredibly overvalued and undervalued at the same time, and that they are a very important stat, but only when you're taking in the full picture of everything else. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you there that. Uh... A flawed stat, but I don't think it's useless. Um, I don't like the idea of dismissing any category only. I I dislike eliminating a stat or a saber metric or a whatever statistical analysis of a player because, and then using the reason. Because things happened that aren't in his control that led to that stat existing, right? Mm -hmm. Because then, guess what? Fucking no stats matter all of a sudden. Yeah. Right? Like, um, here's... That's that, I I do get what he's saying with RBIs, by the way. Like, I, I, it's, it's hard to argue with him on the fact that it, it is a flawed stat and it does really depend on the hitters hitting in front of you. Um, do you know why we signed George Springer? Like, you know, the spirit of that signing, what bring in playoff experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why are we attributing playoff experience to George Springer when 25 other guys contributed to him having playoff experience, right? Like that's a stat that I value world series rings matters. Mm -hmm. It took a whole bunch of other guys on the team and support staff and whatever to get a World Series ring. I also value strikeouts for pitchers. I also value saves for closers. Like, yeah. sure, all of these have flaws. When like, when you want to break it down, and you go, well, this is why it's not perfect. But you can do that for fucking every fucking stat. So, like, if you're going to go down that road of writing off stats as overrated then you better look in the mirror because find me one that isn't and that's what baseball nerds have been trying stats. to do for there 20 are sure, better there are stats, better stats some stats are better than others but yes i agree with you man it's also like there isn't one i mean you listed weighted runs created, created plus there but there isn't one stat where you go this is definitively the best one yeah right because even when you do that you go well, but it also, like, I don't know. 
It's just, it's dependent on circumstances too, right? Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Even the ones that aren't flawed in how they're calculated are still flawed in what they're measuring. I don't know. It's just like runners in scoring position. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. You know, like, is that, I don't know. I get so worked up into a tizzy every time I, ugh, gross. Great, great uh, note to end on. I don't know why we ended with this one, Scott. This one's full. No, I like it. It's good. And and please, grounds crew, let us know. What do you think about RBIs? Where is their importance? And what stat do you value the most? That That's one that I would love to maybe we can get into next bag. It's just which stats do you nerds like the most? Tell I us think, why. I think... Give us your best one. And then we, then yeah. I can poop all over it and I can look at yeah. the warts for it. Yeah. God knows I've spent enough time on war to complain about it, but I I I do like weighted runs created plus, but we'll we'll what, see what, what you folks what's, think. What's weighted runs created plus? What's what is it? Explain it to me. Well, it's just it really puts a value on on the runs, right? So you know, if if you're a guy who's going to score more runs, you get credit for it. Um, what does that mean? Well, here. I'm I'm on MLB.com. I'm trying to find a formula. Is this ever complicated? See, this is no, oh. but this is this is ballpark this is where... factor is a part of the calculation, so I'm out. Unless it's uh, this is tough. Okay. Oh. Okay, so it's taking into account um plate appearances and I mean, I did sum it up. It, it's it's the statistic that measures <laughs> runs created by a player. It is. Do I know the exact formula? No. But I do know that it... Listen, I'm just saying... Like, I'm, I'm listening, I'm, I'm Scott. supposed to know every single fucking way a formula is done. Like, I'm not a mathematician here. <laughs> the one that you're a big believer in, you should know. No, it is a big believer. I am a big believer in it because runs are the most important thing in baseball, right? Or okay. in my opinion. Well, then let's... Why don't we value runs? The guys, uh, a number of times that. a guy stepped on home plate. I do value that. <laughs> All right. Uh, weighted runs created. Okay, so here's the formula. The formula of weighted runs created plus includes weighted runs above average, uh, plate appearances, the weighted runs created. Uh, so the plus is just, it's where you, they put it at right. 100. Scale it to 100. Over. So what's uh, weighted runs so what's... created then? Um, okay. So in runs, this is as per fan graphs in, in weighted runs created, uh, instead of looking at a player's line and listing out the details, example, 23 doubles, 15 home runs, 55 walks, 110 Ks, 19 stolen bases, five caught stealing. The information is th synthesized into one metric in order to say player X was worth 24 runs to his team last year. So it's like the offensive version of defensive runs saved. Am I guess I'm, 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 I'm going to give that's you, on it's me going to give you, but it gives you more credit for like, if you get a double, that's going to help out more. If you steal a base getting into scoring position, um, what is this OPS? So it's funny. Cause like, I was just like, like, I, I know what it is, but now that we get into the weeds, 
I just I just I, viewed look, it as like I, how much I will, scoring is how many runs are you gonna you you know above average? How many runs are you providing for your team above average? <laughs> yeah, this is where I I get lo- I get lost on these metrics. Is like I. I, I I will give you credit in that if that is your go-to stat that you like feel comfortable with when you're looking at comparing Boba Shett's WRC to Mike Trout's WRC and measuring them against each other like that that's that's cool. I ju- I I just I just really like WRC plus and OPS. I just like OPS because I think it matters how many bases you're getting. It it gives a better projection of what like like batting average is just a single counts the exact same as a home run. And that's where OPS mm-hmm. is on base percentage of slugging. So it does provide the information on how many bases you're getting. So Agreed. I like OPS. I like OPS plus as well, where they do the same thing where it's like a hundred is average and go sure. from there. And weighted runs created plus I like because runs matter. Now you did a good job of uh, <laughs> uh, making me seem like a like I don't know, but no, no, no. I'm I'm sorry. I'm putting you on the spot here. I know it's. I mean, I'm looking at the screen right now, and I don't even know that, how. That's to the read thing. This I pull up how they calculate it. I'm still like, man, I'd have to spend a few minutes not on camera to freaking. And I go, I do this all the time, where you got to look up a. Stat I know the, I this is the thing, Scott, and I'll give you credit for this. Is that. I know for sure you've done your research before you came to your conclusion that you trust in weighted runs created plus. Yes. But there is a certain point, and we all do this. There's a certain point in which you just trust it and you mm-hmm. you just know. You're like, I already did the research. I don't need to know how my iPhone works. It just works, right? And, and I trust using it, right? So I'm not trying to like make you feel or look like an idiot because even when I'm looking at this, it's like... Weighted runs created plus equals weighted runs against average plus like and there's like three other things that are also their own formulas. Yeah. So you're not just remembering one formula, you're remembering three formulas divided yeah. by two other formulas. So you're good. See, yeah. it's where it's OPS is so clean and so mm-hmm. easy. Yep. So that's why I like OPS. I agree. Like OPS might be my favorite, but I, I really do understand why there's such a premium put on runs and why they are trying to figure out how many runs you as a player bring in. And despite the fact, not being able to give the exact formulas to get there, I I still really do think runs are a big deal. Do you, I know you smoke left-handed cigarettes. Do you ever drink alcohol? I've been known to drink some alcohol. I knew that. That was a loaded question. Yes. Uh, Do you ever, you ever played like drinking games? Sure. Is there a left-handed cigarette equivalent of drinking games? Um, I don't think so. There should be. Someone needs to come up with that. Anyways, maybe not. Maybe, maybe that's a dangerous. Kid. Maybe Anyways. I play that as a kid, but I, I'm just like, okay. no, nah, I just like. <laughs> you just want to chill out. <laughs> Relax, Adam. Let's not get carried away. Okay. Drinking games. What's your favorite drinking game? You like a beer pong? You like like beer darts? You like, like what is your flip cup? What is it? What what are we what are you going with? Oh, you're gonna hate this. Okay. I don't like drinking games anymore. Well, okay, I... anymore, sure, but when you were in your prime, when you were oh, oh, twenty two years beer old. Pong, 
beer pong was my fave dude i loved beer pong and honestly okay. beer pong uh it wouldn't bother me how dirty that ball got no you know, I, oh like, i this is my one thing with beer pong it's like people that play this hygienic beer pong where it's just water and then yeah you drink from a separate cup or what like no no, no, no. give me that dirty ball Whatever. that's the cup i'm yeah. drinking from Ugh. yes kids these days we're are dirt, too soft we're dirt bags what are I'm you dr- doing i'm drinking right from the garden hose we don't care Anyways, here's the thing with beer pong. There's a funnel on the end of the garbage <laughs> garden hose. It's just <laughs> <laughs> old old habits. Um, yeah. Just beer bong in my garden hose water. Um, beer pong, like any other drinking game, whether it's whatever, it's popular. It's great because of the simplicity. Get the ball in the cup. Drink. That's it. Dungeons and Dragons, far superior game. Too complicated. Nobody wants to play Dungeons and Dragons, the drinking game. Right? This is OPS. It's simple. We know how it's calculated. That's why it's great. Weighted Runs Created Plus. Is it technically superior? Probably. I'm still not fucking paying attention to it. That's all I got. Not a food al- analogy, but it was pretty good. It's a board game analogy, so there <laughs> yeah, you go. That's right. There you go. All right, Grounds Crew. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Of course, if you'd like to get your questions in for Mailbag next week, you can do so on Twitter at Walk Off Podcast. Send us a DM or tweet at us. You can hit us up on Instagram, the Walk Off Podcast. Hit us up to join the Discord fun place to be and of course a tip of the hat to all the patreon members you can join patreon by going to patreon.com slash the walk off by doing so you are helping adam and i cover our costs and you get an extra bonus episode a week mlb mondays you get instant access to all of our shows and interviews and there's one more thing in there right mlb mondays right I think I mentioned that. Did you say that already? Sorry, yeah, I tuned it's out. It's fine. I, I'm burnt out. I'm I'm in need of a left handed cigarette. It's, if you're still with us, if you're still with us, good, good for you. you know? I'm gonna go <laughs> attach my garden hose and my funnel to my left handed cigarette, and I'm gonna come <laughs> up with it. Away we go. <laughs> yeah. uh, how? Who is it that's been hit by a pitch the most in Toronto Blue Jays history? If you can answer that, hit us up, and four free tickets to baseball town in toronto with blake murphy jay jackson julia cruz baseball jen johnny g of gate 14 and craig ballard of locked on blue jays are all yours we'll talk to you on friday everybody take care of yourselves cheers thanks for listening to the walk off podcast with scott belford and adam mack with a new episode every friday Thanks for listening. 